everybody. Well, here I come again from my house. And uh, just to give you a little update, my doctor says that all is well, uh, but he really wants me just to stay home, uh, not get into a crowd a little while longer. So we're just going to do it uh, virtually as we did last week. And I'm sharing from a chair, which is very different for me. I love standing behind the pulpit, but um, you know what? It is what it is and it's different. And I know it kind of gives a little bit of a I don't know, fireside chat look to it. So anyway, it's so good to be able to come to you. I'm glad we've got the technology to do it. And um, so thank you for all your prayers and thank you for your uh, messages and the many well wishes that we've received. It's been wonderful just to feel the love and support of our church family. Now, I got to be honest with you. I was going to share something completely different. As a matter of fact, I had prepared something totally different. And in all honesty, this morning, I was reading the Bible and I was um, just spending some time with God. And I really felt like the Lord switched up on me. And this happens every once in a blue moon, but sometimes it does. And I really felt directed to share something very different from, with you. And I'm, I want to talk to you about spiritual warfare, spiritual warfare. And I'm just going to call this today, Stand Therefore. Uh, it's no surprise to any of you that we're in a real spiritual battle in America. So I want to read to you out of Ephesians 6, the quintessential chapter on spiritual warfare, the armor of God, and verses 10 through 17. And let's just read it. I'm reading out of the New King James Version, and I'm just going to read it to you. And let's let the Word of God speak to us. And then I want to break it down and unpack it. And I believe share some things that will really help you. So here's Paul the Apostle writing to the Ephesian church in the first century, the days of the early church. They're under persecution. Satan is attacking them from every which way. And here's what Paul writes, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not uh, wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. What a powerful passage and what a beautiful metaphor Paul the Apostle used for uh, spiritual warfare. It's, it's hard to forget the armor of God. And it's a metaphor that has been famous through the ages. So I want to point out that there are three things in these passages. There is an attack, there is an exhortation, and there is a solution. An attack, an exhortation, and a solution. So I want to just unpack those three things, and let's look at what Paul is telling us in these passages. First of all, there is an attack. We note first that Paul mentions when he calls, or what he calls the day of evil. The day of evil which is the moment when 
Satan unleashes what Paul goes on to call the wiles of the devil. Now, wiles is from a Greek word meaning organized evil doing or well-crafted trickery. It, it means that Satan's attack, the one that Paul is talking about here, the day of evil, is well thought out, it's strategized, it's preemptive, it's pre-planned, and it is intended to have full impact. It's a spiritual attack. He said, we're not battling against flesh and blood. This is not about human beings coming against you and me, but it's about an unseen enemy who strategizes, who plans and plots and schemes, who hatches wiles, stratagems to come against you and me as the church. I really think here of Pearl Harbor when I think of the day of evil, just to give you a little illustration, the way the Japanese unleashed a well thought out strategy to take out the American Navy and gain an advantage in their declared war against us. And it came out of the blue. On the day that Pearl Harbor went down, the skies were blue. Uh, the the, the uh, Navy uh, crew were listening to music. Uh, they were enjoying a beautiful day. Um, it was quiet out. It was really a pristine day. The last thing you would have expected was an attack. There was no sense of an attack, no feeling that an attack was about to happen. And suddenly the skies filled with airplanes. And before they knew it, uh, the Navy fleet was under attack. Uh, bullets were shot, bombs were dropping. And before they knew it, they were engulfed in flames and engulfed in an attempt to absolutely take them out. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of American Navy men were killed. Uh, a, a fleet was wiped out. It took America completely and totally by surprise. No one had expected a thing. Out of nowhere it came. And what was it? It was a day of evil. FDR called it the day of infamy. But it was a day of evil. It was a day when suddenly evil came out of nowhere and attacked. And that's what happens to the church. Paul said, there is a day of evil. I personally believe that America has been under a day of evil for several months now, suddenly we were under attack. We didn't see any of what we've experienced uh, since around March. We didn't see it coming in January. We didn't know that it was coming in February, but suddenly there was an attack and there was a virus. And then there were killings that upset the entire nation. And then there were riots and cities being burned down. And before you knew it, the entire nation was experiencing a day of evil. And I believe that America has been under a sustained spiritual attack. And that's why I'm bringing in this word because with America being under attack, so has the church. We were shut down. We were told we couldn't meet. Uh, we had to wear masks. We had to put on gloves. Suddenly our whole lives in one night were turned upside down. America was brought to its knees in a day from nowhere. There was a spiritual blitzkrieg and a day of evil, a day of attack. And this is the very kind of thing that Paul is pointing to. This is what he's telling us happens spiritually. There is a day of evil, a day of attack, and all of us have felt it. And you may be feeling it right now where you are. Maybe you're sitting in a chair in the sanctuary or you're sitting at home right now watching. But you're feeling 
the attack of the enemy. You're feeling the enemy really coming in from several different angles. And some of you even wonder, what can I do? I no longer know what to do. I didn't see this coming. Well, that's why I believe that God put this message on my heart today, because there is a solution. And we're going to look at that solution in just a few moments. But I want you to notice how Paul reveals what the will of God is when the church experiences a day of evil, a day of attack like this. He said, stand therefore. Now I want you to hear that church because what's the will of God for you and me in the day of evil and the day of attack like this? It is that we would stand, stand therefore. I want you to look at this. He says, put on the whole armor of God. He says the word stand four times. Listen to what he says. Put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to stand. Then again, he says, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand. And again, he says, and having done all to stand. And a fourth time, he says, stand therefore. Do you get the idea that God's will for you and me when we're under sustained attack is that we are to stand? We're not to run. We're not to hide. We're not to throw off our hands in defeat. We're not to put up the white flag. We're not to cave into discouragement. We're not to walk away from prayer or from the house of God, from our Christian profession. No, the will of God, when the enemy uh, comes at us in a day of evil, the will of God is that the Christian believer stands, stand therefore, withstand, stand in the day of evil. The apostle's main thrust is that when we Christians experience an attack, we stand victorious not just throughout the attack, but when the attack is finished, and it always is, this too shall pass. This will not last. An attack is like a spring Texas storm. It looks terrible. The cloud, the skies grow uh, black with uh, threatening clouds. Sometimes tornadoes drop. Sometimes hail comes. And it's a terrible, terrible storm, but we always know this too shall pass. This will not last. We will come out on the other side. He walks us through the valley of the shadow and brings us out on the other side. And so Paul is saying, uh, not just during the attack, but when the attack has passed and the clouds have cleared and the sun is shining again, you are still standing. I am still standing. Girt in the armor of God, victorious in the name of Jesus, stronger than before, uh, more mature than before, more confident than before, a stronger faith than before. Stand, withstand, stand, and stand again. Everybody say it with me, stand. Say it again, stand. It's God's will that we stand. And, and I, I saw this today so strongly as the Holy Spirit led me to this word. Uh, how the Apostle Paul over and again is saying, I want you to be standing. I want you to stand. I don't want you to give up. So four times he said, don't quit, stand. Don't give up, stand. Don't walk away, but stand. Don't cave in, but stand. Stand, therefore. Then Paul moves into giving us, listen carefully, the only way we can stand. Because you know what, folks? The devil's a defeated foe. But you and I in our flesh uh, cannot defeat him. No, 
We need one mightier than him to defeat him. And you know who that is? You know who that is. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so Jesus Christ, the son of God, the strong man, the one who is stronger than the devil, is the only one who can give us victory over the devil and the day of evil and his schemes and attacks. So the apostle Paul says, I want you to put on the whole armor of God. I want you to put on the whole armor of God. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. In verse 11, he says, put on the whole armor of God so you may be able to stand against the evil schemes of the devil. In verse 13, he says again, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Now notice that both times he used the word whole. He says, I want you to put on the whole armor, not parts of it, not your favorite parts, but all of it. it all of it is, needs to be a part of what we put on. We can't just put on two pieces or three pieces, but we must put on all six pieces of the armor of God if we're going to stand in the evil day and survive the devil's onslaughts and come out on the other side. So I want you to listen very carefully to me as I very quickly go over these six pieces because here's the deal. What we're about to look at, the armor of God, this is not something we recite. You know, I've often, uh, I've done this. I say, well, I put on the helmet of salvation and I put on the breastplate of righteousness. I put on the belt of truth and I put on the gospel sandals. I take up the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And I do this recitation of the armor of God. But what we're going to see is the armor of God is not just something you recite, but what we're about to see is that it's a way you live. The armor of God represents the lifestyle that we should be living. So let's look at it. The very first piece he mentions is the belt. Stand therefore, there's that word stand again. How do I stand? Having girded your waist with truth. That's the belt. Now the belt of truth guards your conscience in the day of battle. The belt of truth guards your conscience. Now, before I go into that, I'm gonna take a little moment and I wanna point something out that really matters here. Notice that Paul uses the word having. He says, having girded your waist, having girded your waist. He'll use the same word with the breastplate, having put on the breastplate. And with the gospel sandals, he'll say it again, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And when he talks about the helmet, he says, taking the helmet of salvation, but it's the same thing in the Greek, having taken having taken the helmet. So here's the idea. The, the Bible is saying that we need to have already been ready for the battle. That you don't run and put the armor on when you find yourself suddenly under attack. Uh, you don't run and try to put the armor on when you're in the midst of an assault from the enemy. No, he says, having already done it. That's talking about preemptive. That's talking about being ready before the battle ever comes. That's That means I knew, you knew, we knew, being wise in God, that a battle would certainly come. 
It's a guarantee. If you're walking with Jesus, you're going to be attacked. And so Paul is saying, before the battle ever comes your way, I want you to have already put on the gospel sandals, the belt of truth, the breastplate, the helmet, the shield. I want you to have already been walking in the truth of these things. Now, having said that, let's go back to the belt. In Bible times, the most important piece of a soldier's armor was the belt. And all, for all the rest of the armor was attached to and connected to the belt. The belt held everything else on. So the very first piece of armor a soldier would put on in Paul's day was the belt. And what we're going to see with all the defensive pieces of armor is that the belt is what we must first walk in. We must first walk in the belt. The first five pieces of armor are defensive. We've only been given one, one offensive weapon, and that's the sword. Everything else is defensive. And so the first defensive piece of armor is the belt, and we will attach the other four pieces of defensive armor to the belt. And what the belt of truth is, folks, is it's not just that you are daily reading your Bible and, and, and taking it in as I teach you to do and as I endeavor to do every day of my life, uh, that we would get up and that we would get into the word of God, that we would graze in the pastures of tender grass that, that God has given us in the beautiful scriptures. And it is faith that comes by hearing the word of God. So we must daily graze in the word of God. But, it, but it's more than uh, that. The belt of truth is more than just being in the word every day. The belt of truth also uh, um, intends for us to walk in truth, to practice truth, to live out the truth that we are reading. It's not just reading the truth, but it's doing the truth we read. In other words, it's walking in honesty and integrity and in the truth that we know is in the word of God. Uh, for instance, I can read in the, in the Bible about forgiveness I can read that I'm to forgive other people who offend me. But what good does it do me if I don't forgive other people who offend me? I've got to live out the word. Because you see, it is, in, it is uh, absolutely integral to our success uh, in a spiritual battle with the devil that our conscience is clear. And that's why I tell you the belt of truth guards your conscience. Because as long as we're walking in truth, we're going to keep short accounts with God. We're going to walk in obedience to the word of God, and we're going to keep our conscience clear. You know, Paul said to Timothy, he said, Timothy, you better keep your conscience clear because some, having rejected a clear conscience concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck. See, we can't win against the devil. If we're giving the devil the, the bullets that he needs to condemn us with, if we're, if we're not walking in a repented life, a repentant life, and, and we've got unconfessed sin, then the devil's able to come in through the back door and really condemn us and shoot us down. And, and that's part of the belt of truth. When we read the truth of the Bible, then we must walk in obedience to that truth. And as we do, we keep our conscience clear. So this belt, which is the first piece of the defensive armor, we must put on every day, Lord, today, I'm not only reading your word, but I'm going to live in a way that pleases the Lord. And if I mess up, 
I'm going to confess it quickly, get it under the blood and keep my conscience clear. So the devil has nothing to accuse me with. Very important. Then Paul moves to the second piece, which is the breastplate. Having put on, there's the word having again, having already put on the breastplate of righteousness. While the belt of truth guards your conscience, the breastplate of righteousness guards your heart. That's where the breastplate went. It went right over the chest. And it guarded the heart from fiery arrows, from the weapons of the enemy. Now, once again, Paul is not just talking about uh, how we become righteous through the shed blood of Jesus. We all know that. He became sin who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Well, see, that's a spiritual truth, and I thank God for that truth. But that's not all that this piece of the defensive armor is talking about. It's also talking about living a righteous and obedient life. Because what good does it do if I say, well, I'm covered in the blood of the lamb, but then I go live in sin. No, that doesn't wash. That's not biblical. That's not balanced or sound. Uh, no, the Bible teaches that having been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, we must allow the Holy Spirit to sanctify us and lead us into a life of obedient righteousness to God. So the second piece of the armor is not just declaring and knowing, hey, I'm righteous by the blood of the lamb, but it's also living out a life that honors God. And that is part and parcel of this second defensive piece of the armor, the breastplate. Now, the third piece of armor is the gospel sandals. I like to call it the gospel sandals. Uh, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation here. Paul says, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. Now, the gospel sandals guard your peace. They guard your peace. Now, many people think that the gospel sandals, this part of the, the defensive armor of God, is talking about going out and witnessing, you know, shotting your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. But really, that's not what it's talking about. It's about walking in the peace that the gospel of Jesus Christ purchased for me. See, when we get right with God, the first thing that happens is we make peace with God. And when we make peace with God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, we experience the peace of God. Make peace with God, he gives the peace of God. And we're no longer at war with him. We're no longer uh, his enemy. But we are the friend of God, the family of God, the children of God. And we now have peace with God. And Paul is telling us that the third piece of the defensive armor is to not allow the enemy to steal the peace that the gospel brought to us when we got saved. You know, how precious is the blood of the lamb? How thankful I am for the cross of Christ. Can we just glory in the cross for a minute? Can we just thank the Lord for the cross? Because you see, when you go to the foot of the cross, and when I went to the foot of the cross, that is where we made peace with God. For there is where Jesus Christ took my sins and your sins, my judgment and your judgment, my hell and your hell upon himself, my iniquity, your iniquity. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. and He became the sacrificed lamb. And until you go to the cross, 
You will never know God's peace. You will never know the peace that can only come from having been made right with God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You will never know God's peace by trying to be a good person. You will never experience the peace that comes from heaven by never getting a traffic ticket, being a good American citizen, being a good dad or mom. No, because folks, here's the bottom line. There is none good, not one. There is none that does good. No, not one. No, we have all gone our own way. We have all turned away from God and the Lord had to lay on him the iniquity of us all because of our sin. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And, and until we make peace with God through the shed blood of his only begotten son, we will never know that precious peace that comes from the gift of the Holy Spirit. It is a peace you cannot describe. It's the peace that passes all understanding, Paul the Apostle said. You can't describe it. You can't comprehend it. You can't enunciate or, or, or explain it. It is deeper than we can put words to. It's broader. It's higher. It's, it's wider. We, 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 the English language can't find the words to describe the peace that comes to us when the Holy Spirit comes to live in our heart. When we make peace with God through the shed blood of Jesus, behold the Lamb of God hanging on that tree, spilling his innocent blood for you and me. Behold the Lamb of God hanging on that tree, persecuted, forsaken, ostracized, mocked, ridiculed. Behold the skies turning black as midnight at high noon. Behold every angel's wings bowed in somber silence as the Son of God breathed his last and said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And into thy hands I commit my spirit and when he breathed his last, just before he did, he said, it's finished. It's finished. The, the, the sacrifice, the once for all sacrifice, the spotless blood of the Lamb of God that the entire Old Testament pointed to, all the animal sacrifices anticipated, the one final ultimate sacrifice of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for your sins and mine. And that precious blood is the only currency that will purchase for you and me the peace of God. Now, Paul is saying the third piece of defensive armor is walk in that peace. Don't allow the enemy to steal that peace. Don't allow Satan to come in and take it away from you because he's a thief. He's a liar. And he only comes but to kill, steal, and destroy. And one of the things he loves to steal if we let him is God's peace from our hearts. So pray about everything. Keep short accounts with God. Don't let any sin stand between you and God and, and hold on to that peace. Walk in that peace. It's the, it's, it's the third piece of the defensive armor of God. Now the fourth, fourth piece of armor is the shield. Notice Paul says above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will quench all of Satan's fiery arrows. Now, the shield of faith guards your confidence. Catch that. The shield of faith guards your confidence in the day of battle. Notice the stress that Paul places on this piece. He singles this piece out. He says, above all, above all, more than the other ones, above all, 
supreme among the others, above all. Be sure that you pick up the shield of faith and that you have already done it before the battle comes. Having taken up the shield of faith, it is crucial, folks, above all, to walk in faith in the day of battle. Because when you're walking in faith in the day of battle, you, you have a perspective. You're looking at the battle through the lens, through, through the lens of faith, not the lens of doubt, not the lens of unbelief, not the lens of fear, not the lens of confusion, but you're looking at the battle through the lens of faith. And that means your faith is in the promises of God, in the victory that Jesus bought for us, in the certainty of your winning the battle, uh, in the victorious, um, position of your king, uh, your faith, you're walking in faith. You're facing the battle in faith. You know, the shield in those days reached from the soldier's head to his feet. The shield literally protected the entire body so that when the enemy would light one of those fiery arrows and shoot it at um, a victim, at a target, that fiery arrow, he says, it's the shield of faith that quenches, that puts out the fire, that, that quenches the fiery arrow shot at us. So if the arrow of fear is shot at you, it quenches fear. If the arrow of doubt is shot at you, it quenches the doubt. If the arrow of, of, of confusion is shot at you, it quenches the confusion. If the arrow of unbelief is shot at you and that arrow hits you and it's on fire, well, the shield of faith quenches it. You can hear the sizzle as the, the shield of faith literally puts out the fire. This is the fourth piece of the defensive armor of God covering the whole body. So notice, if he shoots it at your heart, it doesn't reach you. If he shoots the arrow at your feet, it doesn't reach you. That's your peace. If he shoots it at your your mind, it doesn't reach it because it's covered by the shield. The shield of faith covers you from head to toe. So above all, more than all the rest, be sure that you are preemptively ready that before the battle ever arrives, you've got on, you have picked up, you are carrying in front of you the shield of faith. Now the fifth piece is the helmet. And take the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation guards your thought life. You know, just like a helmet in the natural, a physical helmet, say a motorcycle rider or a cyclist like me, um, we wear helmets because if you are to go down, it protects your brain. And likewise, the helmet of salvation protects your thought life. And that's the battlefield of the mind. That's where all the battles, that's where 98% of the battles happen in the theater of your mind, on the battlefield of your thoughts. And so we're to put on the helmet of salvation. Now, it's interesting to me that he said of salvation. Why a helmet of salvation? Because here's what Paul is telling us by the Spirit of God. We're to remember who we are. We are a child of God. We have been bought by the blood of Jesus, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We have been plucked from darkness and brought into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of his dear son, the kingdom of light. We are children of God. We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a called out selected people that we should show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So 
The fifth piece of armor is so important, defensive armor. It's the helmet. You put on that helmet of salvation. That is every day. You say, Lord, thank you, I'm saved. You don't let the enemy try to make you doubt your salvation in the day of battle. You hold on to who you are. You say, I'm saved. I'm redeemed. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm more than a conqueror. Uh, I am a winner in Christ over the devil. A helmet of salvation. Never forget the reality of what God has done for you, particularly in the day of battle. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm being blessed sharing this message. This is blessing me. I could really actually stand up. I'm not going to. It messed up the recording, but I could stand up. I'm being moved. This is truth. Folks, we've got to quit battling things in the flesh. We've got to go to the weapons of our warfare that are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And the weapons of our warfare is the armor of God, which brings me to the last one. The only weapon in this six-piece armor given to us is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The first five pieces are defensive, defensive armor. Uh, but this one is offensive. It is the, the sword, double-edged sword of the word of God. He says, and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now the sword of the spirit means the sword the spirit has given you and me by providing the word of God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. That means breathed out by God. That is telling us that the, the scriptures came to us by the Holy Spirit moving on holy men of old who were born along by the spirit of God as they wrote. And the spirit gave us the 66 books that comprise our holy Bible. It is God's love book to us. And every word of it is the word of God. And it is the one thing that Satan fears. Nobody used the word of God like a sword more successfully and beautifully and powerfully than Jesus Christ when he had his mighty battle with the devil in the wilderness. And it says that Jesus over and again said, it is written, it is written, it is written. And, and when he finally gave the third, it is written, encountered the devil who was quoting the word of God also just falsely and wrongly. When Jesus gave his last, it is written, it says the devil left him. Why the devil leaving? Because the sword of the spirit, the word of God drove him away from Jesus. And it'll do the same thing for you and me. Whether you're just having a battle in your mind, the devil has come to you with some kind of a temptation, some kind of an attack, and you're feeling dark or you're feeling tight or you're feeling fearful, whatever it is, call up into your mind the word of God. Open up the word of God and read it out loud. Quote the word of God. It's a sword. He says, take it up. Pick it up, pick it up, pick up the sword and quote it and quote it and quote it again and saturate your mind in it. And as you do, it'll be said of you what it was said of Jesus. The devil left him. The devil left her. Well, folks, there you have it. This is what Paul the apostle said to do in the day of evil, in the day of attack. 
So let's just go over it quickly. The belt guards your conscience. The breastplate guards your heart. The shoes guard your peace. The shield guards your confidence. The helmet guards your thoughts. And the sword drives Satan away. Let me ask you a question today. Are you walking in what the armor represents? Not just reciting it, but are you walking in it? You know, am I walking in it? I have to remind myself of these things. Sometimes I'll, I'll get irritated with flesh, with human beings. Um, you know, all these things have been going on in our country. I, I've felt irritated many times with human beings, uh, angry over what human beings were doing. But then I had to remind myself, Jeff, behind those human beings and the evil they're committing, there is a force, there is a devil, and he's your real enemy. And then I had to get myself back into the reality and the truth of Ephesians 6. So are you walking in the things we went over? Are they a part of your life? Are you picking up the sword to thrust it against Satan? Uh, you know, you're under attack. Have you stood in the middle of your living room? Have you stood in your bedroom? Have you just stood up with the Bible in your hand? And I mean, just let loose against the devil, quoting the word of God. Speaking the word over your home. Have you done it? Cindy and I just, just uh, last night, I said to Cindy, you know, we ought to just stand in the middle of the living room and we ought to just bind the devil, call out on God, uh, ask the Lord to intervene, um, quote the scriptures. And we did. And I'm telling you, we, we stood in the middle of the living room and we had a season of warfare in our living room and peace came into that place. Uh, peace was there after we were done. A sense that something had moved, that, that something that God had heard us and that something had been accomplished. It was wonderful. Try it. It doesn't matter if you're single, do it as a single. If you're married, do it with, uh, with your spouse, do it with the, all the kids in the room, get everybody together and come against the devil and quote the word. And having done all, let's stand. Amen. So I want to pray for you and I want to ask God to be with you. Can we just bow right now in prayer and let's believe the Lord to move on our behalf. I want you to take the hand of somebody that's with you there in your living room, uh, somebody that's next to you there in the sanctuary. I want you to, let's just come together in prayer and let's ask God to be with us. Lord, we come to you. We hear the word of God today. We thank you for what you have spoken, Lord. We thank you for the truth of the scriptures. And right now we come together as a church family. We come together, Lord, as the people of God. And we thank you, Lord, that your will for us is that we would be standing, that we would stand throughout the, the day of evil, that we would be standing when the day of evil is done and gone, that we will stand through it and stand at the end of it and stand victorious. Lord, we're asking you in Jesus' name, help us to put on that armor of God. Not just put it on, but live it, walk it, talk it, uh, 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 practice it, uh, assimilate it as part of our lifestyle, putting on that armor. And Lord, in Jesus' name, we thank you that the enemy is a defeated foe, that he cannot win the battle, that he will not win. Uh, he will not win, but he is lost. The greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Thank you, Lord, that though the skies are dark with clouds, it will pass. Thank you for keeping turning points strong. Thank you for keeping the lampstand burning. Thank you, Lord, for your peace on every home, every marriage, 
every family, every single, every job. Thank you for your provision. Thank you, Lord, for coming through for us. Thank you, Lord, that you haven't left us nor forsaken us. Thank you, Lord, that you're, you're moving on our behalf in ways that we can't even see right now. And thank you, Lord, that we're going to have the victory as we come out on the other side. We thank you for it, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. We praise your name. We bless your name. Let's lift our hands right where we are. Go ahead and lift your hands and just bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities and uh, uh, heals all of your afflictions. Lord, we thank you for being with us and we bless the Lord in the house of God. We bless the Lord in our living rooms, in our homes. We bless you, Lord, and we thank you that you're going to be with your church and you are with your church. And Lord, that we're moving forward and not backward. Forward is the language of faith. And we're moving forward and we thank you for it and we bless you for it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Give him a hand of praise today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, I, I'm not there, but I feel the Lord in the house of God. I sense his presence there in the sanctuary. And it's been a great, great joy to come your way and minister this word on the, uh, the need to stand, therefore, in the day of evil. And I'm so looking forward to being with you again in person. And I'm sure I'll be able to very soon. And again, thank you for all your prayers. God's really been with me. His grace has really helped me. Uh, know that Cindy and I love you. We're praying for you and we'll be seeing you and talking to you again real soon. God bless you and may he give you the victory this week in his name. Amen.